The X-Files premiered on September 10th, 1993 on Fox. Let's put 48 minutes and 12 seconds on the clock. Pilot study with Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study Episode 8. I am your host, Chris Lantinen, and I'm joined, as always, by Grimes. Welcome. Welcome to you. You know, we haven't had a couple we haven't had like a serious beef in a couple weeks. So do you got like a quick beef you want to throw out there? Anybody you're uh you're just really hating on lately? You know, it's the holidays, and my hate has been on pause for a, a couple weeks. You know, I hated on Star Wars, and that hate is still very strong. The more money, it just racks up by the <laughs> second. Um, yeah, your hate really, uh, really affected the listeners. Right? Yeah, um, but no, I'm good for now. I think I'm going to bring in the new year hate free, um, okay. and then I'll go for. But don't worry, I'll be mad by next week. <laughs> Any resolutions as you enter 2016? No, I don't really. I think New Year's is pretty overrated. I, you know, um, I don't. I don't make resolutions because it's another thing I can just hate myself for when I don't do it. <laughs> so you're not going to show up to the gym at uh, six a.m. on no, January first. I'll be in the gym twice a month, just like every year. So let's talk X Files. We uh, this is Monster Hunter month, so we have X Files, and we will play a clip from our coming soon episode at the end of this episode so you'll kind of get a little preview of what we're going to talk about in week two of monster hunter month but uh first up we have x-files of course starring david duchovny and gillian jillian anderson is it jillian or gillian i think it's jillian jillian anderson of course as the famous characters of agents Mulder and agent scully now my first question for you grimes is is this the first time you've seen an, an episode of the X-Files? Yes, it is. I did not watch it on its original run. Um, Which is weird because you're a 90s kid and this is like so much a 90s show. And it, just its time frame, style, everything about it, it was big in the 90s. Yeah, you know, looking back, I think honestly I was probably too scared. Um, I just, it seemed spooky. The music was weird. I was never that into sci-fi until I got older. Um, so yeah, I just totally missed this one, and I love Duchovny, so this is up my alley. I do remember like catching an episode, because it was always, I think it was after The Simpsons. It was definitely the Fox whole lineup thing, you can tell this is a Fox show right away. Right, I, I wonder if, but, it, I, I wish I would have looked this up, but I wonder if it was on Sunday after The Simpsons, or, because I know that their lineup at one point was like Simpsons and Malcolm in the Middle, and maybe like another comedy because Family Guy wasn't around at that point. Maybe X-Files was like at some other point in the week. But uh, it was certainly a huge hit for Fox, especially in the beginning. And I think I'm kind of of the same story as you, except that I binged it in 2015. So like the, <laughs> the music, the intro music, I remember it scaring me as a child. Yeah. And I just did not. Like I remember a couple like little cold opens I watched. But that intro music kind of did scare me. And I just recently watched it all the way up through season like six. I think I'm in like the middle of season seven right now. But longtime fans will tell you that it gets really shitty in like season seven, eight, and nine with like some random gems. But um, 
Yeah, so I've I've I binge watched it throughout 2015. So this is kind of my second run through the pilot, or maybe third run through the pilot. And uh, it's a really first off, it's a really good pilot in that it establishes a ton of things that will kind of define the X Files for a whole bunch of years to come. And you know, I, I want your initial impressions before I go off on too much of a rant because I do have a lot of thoughts on this, knowing kind of where everything goes, but not knowing where everything goes. What were some things that stood out to you that you were interested in that you think they set up well? Well, yeah, just that's just one thing I was wondering as I watched is how much of this stuff is foreshadowing and the, like most of the stuff that I didn't understand. The guy at the end, um, a.k.a. the smoking man, I believe, he, right, puts, yeah. he puts this stuff in the thing and I'm like, ooh, that's got to be like a guy. But then I wasn't sure, like maybe I was watching too hard where I might have missed some things because I was like trying not to miss anything, if that makes sense. Um, the, but the guy at the end was definitely a standout. The boss seems weird to me. Like, you know, is Duchovny going to have to try and win this guy over every week? And then eventually he's like, fine, I believe in aliens. Like, let's go kill him. Like, <laughs> I just don't. It was kind of hard to see, like, how. The boss. Who are you referencing with the boss? Is that the person that Scully talks to at the very beginning? Yeah, the fat guy with the glasses. Okay, funny enough. He is not a character in this show really at all. Okay, I th- so I think there, he, that threw me. Yeah, I think he makes um, subsequent appearances, but there is a guy named Agent or, or Director Skinner who ends up being like their FBI handler. And okay. he and he's not even in this episode. So hmm. I'm not sure if like they just hadn't locked down that character yet or if they were kind of still thinking about what they wanted to do with it. But there's another guy who is like – kind of their their handler at the FBI and the person that yells at them when they, like, screw up or... Right, like chase, a typical 90s they, cop show. Yeah, chase things they shouldn't chase, ask them to hand over their badges, I'm sure several times throughout the series. <laughs> Badge and gun. Yeah, but that guy, that boss guy at the beginning doesn't really do much. And a funny thing about the smoking man is I believe they just hired him because he has no lines in the entire episode. Right. So I believe they hired him just because he had a cool look, and he—I I think he auditioned for that that talking role, the oh. like the main guy that was sitting at the desk who doesn't end up really being anybody, but his character ends up being a huge part of the series. Of course, everybody knows the smoking man from X Files, and he eventually does speak at some point, but he ends up being an antagonist basically in the end so that's not really a spoiler he's an antagonist for seasons on seasons on seasons yeah i kind of assume that everybody except Mulder and scully are kind of against them well yeah i mean it's it's a really cool setup because Mulder is painted first as spooky Mulder. of course that's his nickname in the fbi but he's painted as this big time outsider he's in the basement which is his desk never really moves from the basement and he is doing doing these X-Files, these cases that have been buried, basically, that he's pulling out that have either paranormal or um, alien or, you know, magic connections of some way, right? Right. So the case that they're investigating this week uh, are these students who are all from the same graduating class that were disappearing in Oregon um, with what looks like an alien abduction. And that's kind of where we pick up the story. And I actually think... It's a really nice story drop because we we drop they drop us in on not like Mulder's beginnings, not when he's like the first time he thinks he's onto like a UFO type of thing. Right. They drop us in on as he says the closest he's ever gotten 
to discovering aliens. So if we started with his first days in the FBI, I just don't think it would work because you need you need the one that's experienced in in these type of situations, and you need the one that's inexperienced. You need that balance so that the philosophical discussions and the discussions of science versus faith, which of course Loss picked up many years later mm-hmm. and kind of pounded into the ground, but that started with the X Files, or I'm sure it didn't start there, but it was popularized by the X Files. Those arguments. So you need that balance to kind of lead to those philosophical discussions that they have seemingly every episode, basically. Yeah, I think there is a good balance there. And his him having some credibility in such a kind of whacked out field mm-hmm. grounds his character a little bit. Whereas, yeah, if he was new, then he's just some dum-dum like searching for whatever. But now he has like ton of notes and he said he went through how he read everything he could find and he makes this list of like typically what happens and it has to do with behavior and blah 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 so he's taking the scientific approach with it rather than just being like yeah the truth is out there bro and then just having you know <laughs> nothing to back it up with speaking of the truth being out there they they don't use that opening they instead use this alternate opening uh, did you watch it on netflix I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They use this alternate opening where it says it's like kind of based on a true story type of thing, which is not how they start any other episode in the entire series. So the the whole intro, the famous intro with the music, that's nowhere to be found in this pilot because the showrunner, whose name is Chris Carter, didn't think it was like up to snuff at that point. They still need some time to work on it. So they didn't use it there. Usually every episode of The X-Files starts with a cold open. It's about two or three to minute, two or three minutes, maybe like five minutes, um, your intro music and then the rest of the episode. So this is the first and only time we ever get like the based on a true story type of beginning to it. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that too. Um, I know a lot of times people just throw that into stuff. So I assume this isn't really like based on actual Mm. documented events. Well, I mean documented probably by people that believe in UFOs. Right, documented doesn't mean anything. Right, the idea of time loss, which they reference in this episode, at one point Mulder and Scully are driving down the road and something happens and they pull over and they've lost, I think, nine minutes, right? Uh, yeah, I think they went from – I know it was 9.03 because that's what her watch stopped at. Right. That is like the number one sign of like an impending alien abduction. You know it's, when else that happens? Time loss. Like every other time I drink. <laughs> well, maybe you've been abducted. Maybe you just don't know. Yeah, I have. Yeah, the two biggest things with alien abduction from what I just – basically I Googled alien abduction <laughs> and looked at all the weirdest sites I could find yeah. are lost time – and unusual marks. So they hit both of those. They hit those two. And then the third is tapping or humming noises. So I don't know. I don't think they hit on that. But they definitely do the unusual marks. All the people that were abducted had these two little, um, like kind of like birthmarky looking things on their backs that Scully at one point thinks she has so that the the, uh, people that directed the episode and wrote it can strip her down to her underwear. Right, and I was going to say that too. A couple of things, um, right, right uh, along with what I noticed, that Fox in the 90s ha- was like the raunchy network. They were like a new upstart network trying to get in with ABC, NBC, CBS. And so you had like Married with Children. You had any, and even shows like this, any chance they can show a woman in like her underwear or really wet or 
in some kind of sexualized way, even if it's totally unnecessary, they would do it just because they were trying to get ratings, you know, sex sells. Um, so yeah, a couple times I noticed that we got to get this main lady in her underwear and no one's going to watch it. And they did like, and like two minutes into the show, they show the victim and the guy just walks right up to her, just yanks up her dress. And like, <laughs> All right. There, there's a couple marks there, like panned right across her ass. And it's like, wow, way to be subtle. Well, and the weird thing is, and you know, this is a dangerous episode to do simply because it has been talked about so much. This series, it has been podcasted to death with the X Files. Files. Sorry, there's just one of the X Files, right? Yeah, the, the X Files files, which yeah, is so. you know uh, Camille's uh, podcast. He also does indoor kids and nerdist stuff, but uh, also on Silicon Valley. So it's kind of weird to do this one because I have listened to all those episodes. I don't want to repeat what they say, but I believe one thing they did touch on is that throughout the rest of the series, they really don't – they shy away from sexualizing Scully a ton. So it's strange to see her in this light because they really don't do that a lot. They're, it's more so like a covering as much skin as possible on her. Oh, with wow. like ill-fitting professional clothing, oh, yeah. <laughs> Hillary Clinton style. Yeah, it really is like a Hillary Clinton style approach to her dress, and the fact that they did, they do have this scene in there is a shock because I don't think throughout the rest of the series she's ever in her bra and underwear like that. So they I don't, set I don't it think up. It, so I don't think it happens. It. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it happens again at all unless it happens like in the seventh eighth ninth episode i think at, even like a couple times she does sleep with somebody but they just they cut away and then it's like the next morning and it's like her in a, t- a t-shirt and shorts or something right so they well, really do shy too. away from that that's that's good because you don't want it i mean if it was just that then you're looking at you know, you're turning the show into waiting for these two to hook up yeah which i again i think People ship them all the time, which basically that just means that romantically putting them together, right? And I guess I won't spoil how their relationship develops or anything, but I think they do a really good job of keeping it like relatively professional and keeping it out of that realm of like the will they, won't they? The Ross and Rachelification, right? Or like the moon, the curse of moonlighting, right? Where once the characters get together, the show goes downhill. So or I, the I Big th- Bang Theory, another classic. <laughs> Please. Please don't break that up again. (laughs) (laughs) Until we do the pilot. Uh, You know, I think, so you did mention the first scene with the girl running through the woods. And, you know, I love that it feels like it's straight out of like a 70s horror film from like the plain white dress, like, you know, emphasizing virginity uh, to the girl running through the woods to the music, like these light symbol taps that they often used. Um, It's lit a little better than a 70s movie. And there's, like, this shot. She, like, rolls down the hill, and as she, like, falls, it's really gorgeously lit, that whole scene. But it really does feel like, you know, Jason's chasing her or, yeah. you know, something like that. It does feel like something straight out of a 70s horror film. And I can't remember what the name of the show was, but I believe the showrunner Carter said that they were influenced a lot by, I think it's called Night Stalker. Have you mm. ever heard of that show before? I have not heard of it. I'd have to double check the name. If I'm wrong, I'll post a correction on our on on our uh, on our website post. But I think it, I think he was influenced heavily by a show called Night Stalker. So I'd like to check that uh, check that out as well. Uh, Scully's introduction is another strong scene. She's the yeah. only woman walking through an office of all men, and it's compounded by the fact that she's very small in stature. 
So it's like it's not only that she's entering into this man's world, it's that it's like almost like a David versus Goliath type of relationship we're expecting because she's really tiny. <laughs> yeah, that was something I didn't pick up on right away, but when I was reading over the show notes here, um, that is true. She does. She is kind of. She's almost choosing the the side of David, going with David Duchovny because, you know, it's kind of you're just down there with some nut job that people obviously he's smart so they keep him around but it's like he's right. doing this kind of useless thing that really is his deal there he's smart so they keep him around like I feel like he's the person in the office like nobody wants to go with uh, go get a drink with right because they'll talk about like Benghazi yeah. the whole time yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what else did you pick up out of this episode being your first time what were you uh what were you taken by well um the 90s factor wasn't too cringy um the clothes yeah he's wearing some pretty baggy pants uh, right yeah he meaning um molder uh but yeah it wasn't like it doesn't feel dated which was nice a lot of these pilots i mean obviously bueller and stuff um it's like holy cow could they have maybe scaled it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But with this, I, so that was good. I noticed a thing with the occult. I don't know if if a lot of people remember this, but when I was a kid, um, there was a time, even in my small town, where cults were like very scary and there was all this like Satan worshiping in the late 80s, early to mid 90s. Um, and what it probably was was a bunch of dumb teenagers going around spray painting like pentagrams on shit. But You don't know that, bro. But, but like, I noticed this, he, uh, Mulder says the occult like three times. Yeah, so they're hitting on that. There's just this random occult um, fascination in those old cop shows where, again, going back to spirituality and science, is it the devil? Is it like a scary alien? Um, And I think that probably turned me off as a kid, too. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, I don't know, small town going to church and stuff. But yeah, one thing I liked was um when they were dealing with the the county sheriff. Um Oh, the county sheriffs in this in this series are the dumbest people alive. It's right. like they go from town to town. It's going to be hard not to bring like other X-Files stuff that okay. I I've, I've absorbed over the year into this conversation. It's all a lot of the small towns they go to are stocked with the biggest idiots you could possibly imagine, like the Barney Gumbles of like their town as right. as the sheriff or whoever or the cop that's eventually going to die, you know. So uh, yeah, go on with the sheriff though. Yeah, so he's at one point these they're like running up guns drawn up this <laughs> hill to, to the scene of this thing that happened at the beginning of the show, and there's just this like yokel with a shotgun. He's like, <laughs> "You ain't going no further." And it's like FBI, we have guns, and he's like, "Nope, I'm the county sheriff." <laughs> right, like, right. He's not putting down his shotgun. <laughs> He's going to murder these FBI agents. And then he's like, this blood. is private property. You can't, it's like, come on. The dialogue there was a little bit, come on. Are they really that stupid? This county sheriff would be happy the FBI was there. It wouldn't be his problem. It also looks like a national park, not a pri- not anybody's private property. Right, and that whole private property line is just something that old, scared white people like to say. Prop Like, my property and th- you just hear idiots say shit like that all the time. I don't know. That <laughs> phrase just sticks to me being from Yinzer land, but right. uh, you mentioned like Duchovny's clothing and things. I actually think Duchovny's looks are kind of perfect for this part because he has like, he has the traditional good looks 
and he'll dress better as the se- as the series goes on. Right. Uh, they'll understand like a little bit more of modern fashion. But of course that was modern at this time. Right. That was good. All their glasses and stuff were cool. Yeah, and his his good looks I think it's a good balance in that he has these very strange eccentricities and it makes him a little stranger because you want to know what happened that made this like good-looking guy seemingly normal person. He plays a lot of basketball later in the series, so he's like an athlete. Right? They always they love to cut. Apparently, he loved basketball, <laughs> so they like Duchovny would always work in scenes where he's like shooting hoops or something, and so he's like this normal, like you know, Georgetown. He has his Georgetown hat on backwards. Yeah, backwards, of course, type of guy, <laughs> and you want to know why he's like so into aliens and why. And then he, you find out. Yeah, you do find out. They set up so much in this pilot episode in such a strange way. But in terms of his looks, like if I'm going to use a an example from a Man in the High Castle, like we talked about DJ Qualls, right? Yeah. If he's in this role, then you believe that he's an alien head. You believe that he's somebody who believes in abduction. Seth Green's in the second right. second episode of the series as like an alien guy. But so Duchovny is, is seems capable enough to uncover this government conspiracy, which is key to his character. He's just dangerous enough to be a threat. Like he's just like uh, he's just all American boy enough to actually be a threat to the government. He's not a moron. You want to root basically. for him. You look. You want the handsome guy to win. Right. You do. You do want the handsome guy to win, and you want the pretty girl to win. And of course, that's part of what makes their relationship so strong. So you were mentioning that we learn more about his past. What do we learn about his past in this pilot episode? Well, we learned that he was part of an abduction and his, or what he thinks was an abduction and his sister disappeared from the family. What I'm guessing was the perfect upper middle-class white two kid family, which, which explains his handsomeness and how he got into Georgetown. Like you said, right. Um, but it also explains his unending quest because he'll never be satisfied. He lost his sister, which, you know, not a romantic love, but I mean, this this person he loved and will never get over losing her in such a crazy way. She just disappears that he says his family never talked about it. And so this is it. He's like, all right, this is what my life's going to be about. So that explains why. And how much they set up really in that first episode, you just had to look at the intro scene between the two main characters, Mulder and Scully, in that you set up emotional, intellectual conflict that drives the entire series in three minutes. You have the rational versus faith argument. You have this friendly argue, argument-style discussion that kind of becomes a trademark of how they approach investigations and mm. interpersonal communication and all of that stuff. And you have the defiant yet respective Scully. She respect she does. She respects Mulder. She knows him as spooky Mulder, but she does respect, you know, his work at wherever he went to school, Oxford, right? Mm-hmm. Oxford educated. And she's read his thesis and things of that nature. He's read her thesis. Apparently, everybody has theses in this world. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we made it through grad school without having to write a thesis. I never typed. Now, some people type them. Ironically, the, all the people who typed their theses in grad school are not going to get their PhD. And I never thought about one. And now I might go. So, so yeah. You better get working on one. It, it can be about uh, pilot episodes. Well, I wanted to ask you about that, just how when they met, you know, if like she's telling her this boss guy who apparently I should have just ignored because he disappears. (laughs) He really does. That's so strange. She's like, um, 
I know all about Mulder. His nickname was Spooky. He went to Oxford. His shoe size is 11. His eyes are green. It's like, how would you, you know, and then when he meets her, he's like, well, you did X, Y, you went here. Your GPA was 3.8. Like, when I showed up to grad school, I didn't even know what anyone looked like. I, I know this isn't grad school, but I'm just like, I guess when you go to schools like Oxford and Georgetown, people recruit you at the end of school. Nobody recruited me for shit. Right. I, I think it might be like a recruiting type of thing. And, you know, one of the deleted scenes in this episode is actually something that gives a little more insight into how Scully, Scully's already in the FBI. This is just kind of like a reassignment. Okay. And a reassignment to debunk. The whole thing is that she has been assigned to kind of debunk Mulder. And he's like, you're part of the agenda. And she's like, I am not part of anyone's agenda. <laughs> so that, yeah, that sets up like the, so again, she respects him, but she has her own scientific views and she is defiant in that way. And a couple more things before I get into the d- deleted scene that that three minute scene sets up is that it also sets up the passionate Mulder character it also sets up the lack of first name usage which i think yeah. is really important they're Need calling that. yeah they're calling each other Mulder and scully right off the bat and it's, it becomes important later on because when they do use the first name you know like it's something like the shit is on it's serious yeah it's <laughs> it really like the first time she calls him fox you you almost like gasp because like it's just not something she says ever not even the first time they met and there's, of course, that, that tension that rests between them, which is also set up. Um, the deleted scene, though, and I, I kind of get why they cut this. It takes place before she visits the office of whatever that guy's name is. And she's teaching a group of trainees. This is, I believe, from Wikipedia. Um, the physiology of homicide, specifically electrocution and death by cattle prod. Her attention is distracted by an agent who enters the room and hands her a note that reads, your attendance is required in Washington at 1,600 hours sharp. Scully checks her digital watch, which reads (laughs) 103. So she, I think they cut this because it's very, very similar to like, um, like the Thomas Harris books, like the Hannibal type books. Okay. And how like they're always like in a classroom teaching FBI like trainees and things like that. So I think that might have been, and he did list Silence of the Lambs as a as an inspiration for this. So maybe it just got a little too close, and maybe they just didn't have time for it. But so she is already in the FBI, so his reputation would have spread to her. I see. You know, you know by then, like everybody calls him Spooky Mulder. I I would want to know about somebody that had the first name Spooky. If they were like at the place I worked at, <laughs> and so I was not completely weird noticing that they like knew all this stuff about each other already. No, it is weird that they are so familiar with each other's right. backgrounds, and but of course they work they work at the same organization, which I'm sure um, lends itself to some of that. And she also has a boyfriend in deleted scenes. Oh, yeah. So she is seeing somebody in these deleted scenes. She like gets a call from Mulder, I believe. And, um, you know, another reason they probably cut that, the thing of her talking to the trainees is that I think they wanted to give people, the first time viewer, the impression that, um, that she's in the field, she's field capable. They don't really want her to feel like a teacher, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to put too many things in her corner where she's 
you unlikely want, to listen to him. Yeah, you want her to be active. You want her right. to come into the story active. So she comes into the story as like this confident woman walking through the office of men, not phased. She's, I believe, she pulls a gun before Mulder. I think. Yeah, she had the gun out first with the FBI stuff. Right. So she pulls her gun first. She, she's a very active participant. I, they didn't want it to be like a, from what I understand, they didn't want it to be the typical female role. Like a passive, they didn't want it to be passive at all, which is notable and admirable on their part. So let's see what else do we got. What else do you got in your notes there? Well, one thing I kind of wanted to mention was just how they ended it. Um, right. So the first forty minutes of the show, I'm loving it. I'm like glued to my seat. This show is awesome. I can't wait to watch this. Like this is the best pilot. Then. There's like the six minutes of the show where all the loose ends are tied up. They right. rush through it. So, again, this show's very old. We're going to give spoilers for pilots. So, if you haven't seen X Files and <laughs> sat through this for a half hour, sorry. But Re- yeah, remind me. So, of, like, remind all of me sudden, of the ending. All right. So here, like, Duchovny's met this sheriff idiot twice. The first time, the guy's going to shoot him with a shotgun because he's on his property. The second time, he meets him. It's like this chase scene at the end, blah, blah, blah. And, and Mulder's like, just, you know, uh, there's the big confrontation where everybody knows what's going to happen. And Mulder's like, no, 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 don't do it. Like, don't kill me, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just cool. Like, we find out who, who's who been doing it. Aliens were real. It's all solved within a matter of five minutes. And then the last two minutes are kind of cool again, where it shows, like, the interrogate. It cuts the commercial, of course. And you come back. And, like, there's a nice little kind of, like, you see the evidence and then the smoking man and stuff. But that little five-minute part there was just so unsatisfying with all this buildup and drama and, like, the story. And it's like, oh, this kid did it. Okay, cool. Aliens are real. We're all just going to go back to our lives. And that's it. Okay. Well, Like, there's no... You know what I mean? Maybe I'm not explaining it right, but it was a very let... I felt let down by, like, how they wrapped it up. This is what I'll say about... How they wrap it up. I think they don't wrap up as much as you think they do if you continue to watch. Okay. The one thing is that every time Mulder gets close to, like, revealing anything, he's immediately, like, punked down, which is, like, the best part of the show. Yeah, like, they burn his hotel and they, like, (laughs) magically destroy evidence. And one minute, Scully's looking at the body and within 45 seconds she says, they stole the body and it's just gone. Like, right, so they take the body, they burn the hotel, and the last piece of evidence is given to the antagonist, who we'll find out is an antagonist later, who puts it in the Pentagon, right, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. So all the evidence Mulder believes he has, he already believes aliens exist. Right, and so do I, based on the show, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he already believes aliens exist. Now he has to get proof, and that's really like the central conflict, is can he prove it? To, right. the, to the greater public that this is happening, that the government's covering it up, and all of that stuff. That's really his battle. His battle is never like his own beliefs. He's very steadfast in his beliefs until, you know, maybe a little later on where he has doubts and sees things that make him doubt. But it's but what real- I'm saying. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's like multiple witnesses to this scene of Billy Miles. Like his feet are dirty. They go out. They see him holding this chick. Right. And all of a sudden, 
the cop is just like, no, Billy, don't do it. And he's like, <laughs> okay. And then we're all just supposed to accept it. Why wouldn't that asshole have done that in 1989 when this shit started? Why did he wait, like, for Mulder to come three years later and confront him twice? And he's like, you're right. Okay, no more of this shenanigans. It's, yeah. I'll stop it now when I could have all along. Are we to believe that the the sheriff guy who confronts them and who sees – it's a son, right? Billy Miles yeah. is a son. Are we He's to gonna believe, shoot his son. Yeah, are we well that and are we to believe that he has been present at all of these like abduction things? It seems like, right? Like he it was seems part like of the he's like up. yeah, he seems like he's a part of it. Yeah. Which is And then he just magically stops after meeting Fox Mulder twice in the rain and right. then it's over. Like I that was the only criticism I really had was it like you said, I'm sure this is just a very small piece of a much larger thing, and there's no doubt he believes in aliens but like we have witnesses out here seeing all this weird shit and then like you know i guess i would have to watch and see what happens there it's, it's they... almost like all the witnesses they introduce they only have a piece of the puzzle and they'll never right. meet to put it together yeah maybe that's true too and i think that's part of it and another part of it is as the pilot i'm sure they're under some obligation to wrap up that individual story yeah, give yeah. give you a Scooby Doo style unveiling, right? I would have gotten away with it. <laughs> Billy Miles says that, yeah. But um, yeah, and then the kid like snaps out of his weird state of coma that he's been in for three years, and I will say that the one thing I didn't quite understand is why the marks disappeared. Like he has these marks from being abducted, right? Bill, I think Billy Miles has these marks, or someone has these marks, and then they vanish. That was the one thing I wish they would have explained. And then they made Scully get the marks, but they were just mosquito bites. Like right. you said, probably yeah. just to show her. It's in definitely just place. to show her in underwear. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, that whole like five minutes there out of 48, like I think this is one of the better pilots maybe I've ever seen, um, let alone that we've talked about. And I like that there it is kitschy, but it's like the kitsch adds to the show in this case. It doesn't feel really stupid like you know just the weird little phrases and how he's of course there there's turbulence around where they're gonna land and he's right. fine he doesn't care that he's gonna die in a plane <laughs> crash because he's just so cool david Duchovny. like that was that was his that breath moment this guy that was that was his breath moment right he's just too well braff just was too sad he wished the plane crashed <laughs> Duchovny just too cool to care i guess but i like the positive kitsch factor of it um Mm-hmm. I think it really adds to the whole alien kind of, you know, people into aliens are usually a different breed, whether you believe it or not. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just really liked it. I uh, had a couple other notes here. Um, just putting it out there. Do you believe in extraterrestrial life? What do you think about universes, galaxies? Like, what's up? Um, I think my beliefs pretty much settle on there's life out there somewhere. And I don't think they've ever, like, touched down here before. I don't think... I think it's probably in a far-off galaxy through some kind of black hole. And it's not... It, they've never visited here, but there's got to be life in the galaxy somewhere. Yeah, I, I tend to think that, too. Yeah, I think <laughs> even if it's, like, microscopic life, there is life somewhere. And 
maybe it's not going to have an impact on us, but, you know, it was, we're not going to get invaded by aliens. We'll destroy the planet long before that ever happens. Sure. Yeah, they don't need to help <laughs> us there. No, I mean, we'll certainly burn this planet down as we still haven't gotten any snow, and it is almost January. <laughs> yeah. So that's not good. <laughs> I'm yeah, a- I think it's it's very narcissistic for people to think of like these gods and aliens that are just out there thinking only about them. Like as if aliens came here and we would still be the better ones. I think Louis C.K. actually has a bit about this where like if if they come here, we're dead. They're not going to need us. They got <laughs> They're way smarter than us. We right. fight about spending a couple billion dollars going to the moon once a decade. They are not up there worried about Obama. If they get down here, we're all dead. Like, right. They're not going to argue over, well, should we explore Earth or not? They're going to come down here, take every resource we have, and leave. You should um, definitely watch the show if you're interested in aliens and possible destruction. Because right. it, I'm, I'm not it saying I'm comes. interested. I just think <laughs> it's, I think it's very um, egocentric to believe that Earth and us as human Ameri- North Americans... We are all the galaxy would care about. God, aliens, it's all about us and if our football team wins and if they want to abduct us. And it just seems pretty ridiculous. But I, I have to think somewhere, yeah, there's going to be at least microscopic life or some kind of weird thing running around. But Well, whatever team wins the Super Bowl, they're, they're going to be spared. Of course. Yeah, it's your Super Bowl winners, your rich people. You know, the really valuable members of society right. are fine. But... Um, for us regulars, we're dead. Well, you might be spared because you're a, a professor. You're like a genius, right? Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so you're like a you're like a molder. Uh, pretty much, pretty much. I'm the boss. I'm I'm out after one episode. <laughs> Again, I, I just want to stress how much they introduce in this series and how much they're able to do in 40 minutes. They establish the whole base relationship between the leads that carries on for like over 100 episodes. They establish the smoking man without even saying a line <laughs> mm-hmm. they establish kind of like a pattern of behavior Mulder will get really close to the truth something will be burned down stolen somebody will be killed evidence will disappear somehow like they've established kind of that base pattern of what will happen they have established the main mythology of the series involving aliens that was, it was sister. A good, it, they've, they've established the sister as like this thing that again carries on forever basically in the show is still going and goes like all the way through i just watched the second movie which is the last x-files thing they've developed since like before the revival that's going to happen this month they're still talking about the sister in that show or in that movie so it's still going doesn't go away i'm just completely amazed that they were able to do this in so little time like it really, and they do, and they juggle everything pretty well. Like nothing feels like it's shoehorned in, just for like, like when you watch a Marvel movie, for example, they're always trying to like shoehorn things in for like the next movie, mm-hmm. or to like set up like the new, like the next Avengers, right? The next team up movie. They're always trying to th- do things. They're like dropping like after credit scenes specifically to tease the next movie. Right. In forty minutes, they tease the entire series without having to do anything lame. Yeah, that's it. The lameness factor is what really impressed me. You know, being such an older show with so much going on, everything you mentioned and more, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, you get it all. You, you like I said, you know, after this pilot, like I'm either in or I'm out, and they do a great job of making you lean towards watching it forever. Uh, I have a couple more notes that I'll go over real quick. Um, I love how the audio feels like just a little off, like it's a little windblown. And I, I think that has to do with the fact that they did put that disclaimer on there. The disclaimer actually reads, the following story is inspired by actual documented accounts. <laughs> so I don't know, that maybe they wanted it to feel kind of documentary-esque, like this based on true events type of thing. They wanted, they, they wanted it to be as real as in the field as possible. So... It could have been just that they didn't have a lot of money and they couldn't do the sound perfect. But I don't know. I like I like the quality being like a teeny bit lower than perfect. It just feels right for some reason. And uh, it even continues in the second episode. They use, some, they use some shaky cam when they're running. Like it's not perfectly constructed in the first few episodes that I've, that I've been kind of re-watching for this. So I, I like that. I, some of the lines I like where Duchovny just says, I'm not crazy, Scully. Mm-hmm. I think that sets up a lot too, in that he may have these weird ideas, but he doesn't think he's insane. Right. Like he's he, working on the basis of, you know. He's working on the basis of something. Right. Which I think is important that he's not insane. He actually has like some fact, he has some experience behind this. Yeah, the, the answer, sister thing again sets it up. Right. The answers are there. You just have to know where to look. Um, being completely calm on the plane like we talked about. This must be the place. Uh, there's just so many really, really good lines that just say so much about the characters in two or three lines, and then you can move on, and you have that. And you have um, you wrote yes right next to the NYPD blues vibes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. There, the there, whole, is like... some, there is some NYPD stuff going on here. Yeah, and for those who don't know or maybe haven't watched... 40,000 hours of television in their life. There are these things that just tend to come up in cop shows, and I'm sure you can watch any of the Law and Orders, NYPD Blues. It's, do, do, do. You know, yeah. like that. <laughs> it's the music, really, in this it's one. the music. It's the way that there's just a certain type of person cast to play a police chief or a cop. They always look like an asshole right away. They, they're always frowning. They might be a little fat and agitated, and putting whiskey in their coffee and it's just always this bitter portrait um of law enforcement the the haggard beaten down by the world guy who just doesn't want no more bullshit and then you got like these upstart kids uh Mulder and scully ruffling all these feathers and scully's reluctance to turn her back on science and authority to go with this crazy um leap of faith that he takes i'm assuming in every episode to keep chasing these x-files down Basically, yeah. But yeah, the whole cop thing, <laughs> they hit it pretty hard. Yeah. Um, I, how much time do we have left? We have seven minutes left. Oh, we got plenty of time. So a couple more little things. Rain makes everybody look batshit crazy in this episode because their hair is like all matted down and they're like laughing maniacally and like screaming at each other <laughs> yeah i made a note of conversations in the rain that's another 90s thing so i like that they used it though in like the crazy explanation portion of the episode like i know who did it <laughs> yeah you know, shit like that it's like can't you guys go sit in the car and talk you're freaking soaked out here like, I know. <laughs> you know it scully isn't disagreeing with Mulder. i like i like that she's like double checking his craziness like she's not just saying he's crazy he's saying she's saying okay let's compare lab samples 
Right. Like, I'm not going to write the report until I compare the lab samples and do that kind of stuff. That way it keeps it real, though. That way she won't. they won't be able to discount her. They'll just burn the evidence. Right. She's a woman <laughs> of science. She is very much a woman of science. Uh, let's do some background info. So some more wiki notes here. Photography for the pilot took place over 14 days during March of 1993. Uh, a budget of two million dollars, which I think was—I think that's a lot for a TV a lot episode for back show. then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in and around the Vancouver area, if you've watched X Files, you kind of see like the same settings a lot. Uh, Vancouver remains the area of production for like five years. It eventually moves moves to LA at the beginning of the sixth season. Um, Wikipedia says because of Duchovny, I would assume he wanted to do some movies, and he was more involved with Hollywood at that time. But, uh, yeah, so that's a lot of the background info. Uh, the director is, I did want to mention this, the director, his name was, if I can find it, uh, Robert Mandel. And this is the only episode he ever directed of the show. Wow. He directed the pilot, pilot and then bounced. Uh, he didn't really do much of anything. He directed an episode of Lost in 2005, uh, episode of Prison Break, of the first season of Prison Break in whatever year that was. And there's not really a ton of info about how he got to direct this episode. He, which is kind of strange. You figure Chris Carter's the showrunner. He's the face of the franchise now, at least. But he didn't direct the first episode, which I find strange. And he does a lot of the more important ones later on. Huh, okay. Like, like when you'd see his name in the credits. Uh, X-Files, more than anything, is like a director-based show. Like it's a, lot of, it's a show where you can add a lot of flourish and when you'd see people like uh, Chris Carter, who would do like the big important like plot episodes, like Darren Morgan, people like that, you would kind of kind of get up for Kim Manners. Uh, wasn't Vince Gilligan involved with yep, this? Yeah, Gilligan was a big person. Who in is this. the TV god in my mind? This is where he met. Uh, who's the guy that Brian Cranston? This is where he met Cranston. Oh yeah, because Cranston had that one role. Yeah, he does an episode, I believe, called. Drive, I think, is what it's called. And then when Gilligan was casting Breaking Bad, he remembered him. Yep, he remembered that. Amazing. I love that. Gilligan wrote a bunch of episodes. He directed some episodes. Uh, Man, Vince Gilligan's the man. We got to get him on here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, come on, Gilligan. (laughs) What if he was like, yeah, whatever. He's doing Nerdist to us. Yes. Well, what do you want to wrap up in the last minute? Uh... I don't know. Do you have any TV you're looking forward to next year in 2016? Anything that's like uh, sticking out in your mind? Jeez, next year, no. We'll, we'll do I... so, we'll do something non X Files. Any anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, no, I'm I'm happy with you know I'm I'm kind of in the ending phases. You know I finished all my shows now. I'm sort of looking for anything. So uh, you're look, got, looking for new stuff. Looking for any good new stuff? Yeah, I got nothing on my mind. I'm more excited about music next year than. Kanye, are you are you? uh, Do you think Kanye releases an album in 2016? (laughs) In 2015? 2016. Oh yeah, I was gonna say he's got 10 hours, but um, (laughs) yeah, I think he has to. I mean, he released the kid that I think paused the album. Probably wasn't planning on um, impregnating the queen of reality TV. No. Again, so yeah, I I think that album will come out. There are a few other ones, Nine Inch Nails. to be mainstream but yeah i I don't know tv i'm i'm still in the past you know well i'll give you some some recommendations and some of my own uh x files is coming back that's why we did this episode 
So it's coming back. It's doing a six-episode revival. Uh, I would have to look up when it premieres, but it's like in mid-January, I believe. So this will come out right around when X-Files is coming back. So I'm really excited about that, obviously. Uh, I got the second season of Transparent on the docket, so I'll be watching that. I'm watching Casual right now on Hulu, which is interesting. I think I think that might be something you'd like. Mm, isn't that like sort of romantic? And it's like casual. It stands for casual sex. Oh, okay. So, so not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you might be interested in. It. It's certainly like a modern day relationship tra- drama type of thing. I, I did watch um, Masters of None and F is for Family recently over Christmas. Oh, is that F is for Family? That's the animated Netflix one. Yeah, it's Bill Burr's take on the Northeastern 70s suburban upbringing experience. I liked it enough. I mean, it, it reminded me of like a, an upscale, newer take on Family Guy almost, but hmm. much more um, much more swearing, obviously allowed being Netflix, and it's Bill Burr, not Seth MacFarlane, but right. not far off. Well, uh, I think we should save some of this conversation because maybe, yeah, we'll, we do, do, maybe yeah. we'll do like a special 2016 2016- what we're looking forward to episode actually um i would say dig into some nathan for you if you haven't yet yeah i'm all about that show okay i hear i hear the new season's really good i've watched the first couple episodes but it's all on hulu now so awesome and not saying we share passwords but if you need one (laughs) okay (laughs) i I might know a guy all right so uh this has been episode number eight of pilot study of course we talked about the x-files today September 10th, 1993, you can dig into that on Netflix. Uh, I believe it's also on Amazon Prime. So if you want to watch the whole series, jump into it. At least watch this pilot and keep up with us. Um, And I think we should close out with some plugs. So Pilot Study Pod is our Twitter. You can email us at pilotstudypod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll send out links for our SoundCloud page, our iTunes subscription page, all that stuff. But if you've been listening... We thank you a ton. It's been a great start here in 2015, and we're looking forward to 2016. Grimes, your plugs. Yeah, plugging it up. Um, Twitter, at underscore Grimes John. And that's it. That's where I'm at online. This has really been fun, a fun way to end the year doing these episodes. I look forward to more in 2016. Uh, like I said, we'll have Vince Gilligan on at some point, probably Brian <laughs> Cranston, maybe same app. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. But it's cool. So thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter if you want to hear us talk about a certain show. Send us an email. It's it's good times. And uh, we'll drop uh, a little preview here of our next episode. Next episode is going to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, uh, yeah, let's play a little scene from the pilot right now. The truth is, I thought you'd be taller or bigger muscles and all that. You're pretty spry, though. What do you want? The same thing you do. Okay. What do I want? To kill him. To kill them all. Sorry, that's incorrect, but you do get this lovely watch and a year's supply of turtle wax. What I want is to be left alone. Grimes, I lost ya. Alrighty. Ooh, Seth Green!